And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Tis the season to be merry. <laughs> That's my name. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> uh, it's nipply outside. <laughs> Nipple. <laughs> You know, Yule log. Not that I have a log or anything. Yeah, like that. not a log. I don't have a log. <laughs> I don't have a log. <laughs> Get me someone. Yeah. Get me someone while I wait. It's pretty good. What an asshole. Just put it over there with the others, Grizzle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. How are you, man? Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, by the time I post this, I will post it on Christmas morning, I think. I'm going to try to aim for that. But yeah, happy Christmas. Happy I am. Christmas. I'm. I'm okay. Uh, rough Seahawks game tonight, but it doesn't matter. The season has already kind of made me numb, so that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I did all my shopping and stuff uh, early, but I have a few things left, and I'm just not in the spirit this year. So I, I'm just doing gift cards for the final presents, and you know, take it or leave it, uh, because I just didn't feel like I wanted to go above and beyond for some of the gifts. I don't know. It, it was. I, it, was it was a weird, weird vibe because I'm. I'm usually a great gift giver. But uh, this year, I just didn't care that much. So I done, I done told you for like five minutes to to foster an elephant and get people an elephant gift. <laughs> I hey, I would, but I guarantee certain people that I'd be getting the gift for would be kind of upset with it. Not upset with it, but anyways, I I, I wouldn't hear the end of it. So oh, I'm going man. for the. I know exactly. What a bunch so, of lamos. I know exactly. So I wouldn't even waste a cent on them then. Yeah, moving on. Sorry, I don't want to. I know I don't want to dwell on it too much. If I'm you're listening, to, if you're one of the listeners that he's talking about, I'm starting to stress out. I'm you. starting to stress out thinking about it. It's like <laughs> literally making me anxious. But anyways, um, yeah. So I uh, just been yeah doing some stuff, uh, going on runs. It's really cold. Um, I went snowboarding on Saturday and it was great. Um, I learned I needed new boots. What's so funny? <laughs> I just when you said I've been doing some stuff, I thought of cable guy when he's like yeah i gotta shower and do some stuff anyway <laughs> <laughs> sorry steven, steven yeah. my lisp is gone <laughs> you son of a bitch <laughs> yeah anyhow so i went snowboarding uh this weekend it was great uh first of the season and had a fantastic time i didn't get hurt i just was very sore the next day but I'm going to try to go again on Tuesday, so we'll see what happens. I know, right? And Did yeah. you drink Mountain Dew while you were going down the slopes? <laughs> Extreme! <laughs> Had to wash down those Dor- Dew, Doritos baby. somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but how are you getting drinks? You're under 21. I'm talking about Mountain Dews, baby. <laughs> Such a good, quick comeback. Yeah, Sean White is hilarious. Soda in here? <laughs> Candy bars in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, anything you want cold. <laughs> For all you Tommy Boy fans out there. But, uh, yeah. How are you? I'm good. No complaints. You're back at work, right? I am. That was fast. <laughs> it's really fast. <laughs> Do you are are you okay being back? Or are you like I kinda want it to be done? I can't type whilst holding the child though. It's hard. Yeah. Can't do it. I don't blame the cards. You. Yeah. Sorry. You need one of those 
speak to text things. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. Uh, but what can you do? It's been a fun and interesting challenge, to say the least. But yeah, I'm glad to be back at work. And December is traditionally a slow time for us at the old work job. So it's not terrible, but, um, you know, I just got a lot of catching up to do and and meetings and one thing after another. And then people are going on vacation. So I want to, you know, get everything ready for when they're gone. And so it's just kind of a lot to take in, but no big deal. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. So what have you been watching? So it is the holiday season, so I definitely watch Christmas Vacation. It's one of my favorites. I watched The Fellowship of the Ring, the extended edition today, and I will continue with Two Towers and Return of the King in the subsequent days. Uh, I watched Harry Potter number one. HBO has a really fun uh, movie magic uh, version of it because it's the 20th anniversary. So that was really neat to watch. And honestly, one and two weren't my favorites, but after rewatching one, it was really cool to kind of go back to the beginning and, and experience all the joy and, and the magic of the flying. So, yeah, they're wearing robes and hats and yeah. looking like wizards doing hot wizard shit instead of just in plain clothes casual Friday every day at Hogwarts. <laughs> Eating a whole bunch of chicken drumsticks and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just conjured out of the middle there. It's yeah. like was this is this real food or how's this work <laughs> is this like, lost like, lost boys lost food boys? Or book? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like eat what gandhi ate more than this <laughs> exactly so love harry potter and i'm excited for january 1st when they do the harry potter reunion that'll be really neat to see and then i watched uh, i went to the movie theater and i saw spider-man no way home and you and i were talking about this off air absolutely loved it it was fan freaking tastic uh by the time this comes out it'll be had been a week and a half since it's been out so i would hope that a lot of people will see it because it is phenomenal loved it loved it loved it and then i also uh watched the matrix the very first matrix because tomorrow the 22nd i am seeing matrix uh resurrections and we'll see what happens i'm trying to go in without any reviews or spoilers or anything like that and or any trailers I've only seen one, so I don't know, man. I'm hoping I'm hoping it's good, but I'm trying to keep my expectations at a, at a neutral level. There you go. Yeah. But what about you? What have you watched? Uh, I watched a lot. I watched the Spider-Mans. I watched the Venoms. I watched The Witcher season two. Very excited about that. Whew, the entire lot. thing or is it a uh, week by week? No, it's the entire thing. It's eight episodes. Huh. Uh, plowed through that. And I was an eager little beaver and just chomped it all up. And uh, I am ready for The Witcher Season 3. I don't know when that's going to be, but I am here for it. (laughs) Next month. Yeah, I wish. (laughs) Uh, Then I watched Chips, which I really like that movie. I think it's funny. With Dak uh, Shepard? Dak Shepard, yeah. And then Michael Michael Pena. Pena. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, yo, so there's this purple dude, and he was in the sky. And he comes (laughs) out, and he's like, yo, I need need all these rings. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's funny. Uh, cool. And then I watched Trapped in Paradise, Ooh. which is one of my favorite Christmas movies. When it's interesting that you're saying you're not feeling very Christmassy and you're not in the holiday mood, but you still go through the motions and watch your holiday favorite films. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's interesting that it's almost you're almost desensitized to the point where even watching these favorite holiday movies isn't getting you in yeah. the holiday mood. I think yeah, that's I don't interesting. Know. I don't know what's going on. I'm not trying to be a Grinch. I just am. It just feels weird. I, it, it feels weird that it's almost Christmas and just, I don't know. I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's very odd. Maybe something's wrong with me. Maybe I need to hit my reset button. <laughs> it's okay to not be okay. That's true. That is very true. But I'm excited to talk about today's movie. Yeah. 
Me too. Uh, which is Gremlins, by the way, of 1984. We teased about this last week, I believe we mentioned it, mm-hmm. when we did the Die Hard 2, Die Harder. DH, 2, DH. With a vengeance. <laughs> yeah. live, I said to Rob, I said, live free or Die Hard 2, Die Harder with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> it's everything wrapped into one. There you go. Oh, by the way, did you see the Northman trailer? Did you watch it? Uh, I the, saw the, the, the reaction. Hawk movie. <laughs> no, but I liked your tweet. I didn't realize he was in it, and so it was funny because you're like another Ethan Hawke movie. <laughs> yeah, he's the king. And, oh, is he? Uh, yeah. I didn't even recognize him at first. I checked the credits, and I'm like, Ethan Hawke's in this. And then I saw who he was, and then I watched the trailer again. I'm like, oh, okay, he's the boy's father. Yeah, I did. I didn't recognize him at all. He looks like a like a grizzly fella. <laughs> grizzly Adams had a beard. <laughs> yeah, he looked like a like a homeless viking that needed a shower after being away for a long long time and uh he was edgy and uh in the trailer it kind of gives off a conan vibe you know Mm -hmm. where the little boy loses his parents and then gets all big and strong through the riddle of steel and then comes back and kills a bunch of people does he push a wheel around in a circle and that's how he gets buff (laughs) i think it's an oar though (laughs) he's just patting this oar in his little his little boat in his circle oh my god comes comes back really strong as a a scars guard see yeah kick some ass not his, right. not his dad, who was right. in a fat suit in Dune. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was edgy, man. Yeah. He was gross to look at. He was very gross. I, I saw a picture of him without the clothes in the big fat suit, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to put this last piece of candy down. <laughs> yeah, it's like my 600-pound life. It was edgy. <laughs> and um, yeah, so sorry. I just, I don't know why I thought of that, but yes. Back to Gremlins. This, as as this is the the holiday era, we are doing um you know the Christmas movies and and uh, we dare say that Gremlins is uh, a bit of a Christmas motion picture show, so it qualifies. And we can argue that later if we need to. <laughs> but either way, it's directed by Joe Dante, who you might know from The Howling, Small Soldiers, The Burbs, which I watched last week for the billionth time. I love that movie, uh, and then Twilight Zone, the movie. And it is worth noting uh, since. We mentioned the Burbs that um, Dick Miller, character actor who plays Mr. Futterman in Gremlins, is also in the Burbs. Who does he play? He's a garbage man in the Burbs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's yeah he's a good character actor. He's been in a ton of things that you'd be like, oh my god, I remember him from this and this and this. Yeah, he's the gun salesman in the Terminator. Ah, yes. Just right what you see, are. pal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, you yeah. are. All right, so the film was written by Chris Columbus, who you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. We, he wrote The Goonies, uh, Christmas with the Cranks, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. He directed Harry Potter 1 and 2, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, that's pretty cool uh, to have a director of that caliber be the writer for this film as well. And Because uh, I guess this came out before Home Alone, so it makes sense. But still, really, really neat to see because yeah, Chris Columbus has done a lot of work. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I did think it was weird that Corey Feldman is like a little kid and he's hanging out with Billy, who's like an adult. Yeah, and, and Billy <laughs> just takes his shirt off like in the room. He's like, oh, hey, and he just takes his shirt off. I'm like, this is weird, man. So I, I read that on the, I went down the rabbit hole and it turns out that Corey Feldman was cast before um, Zach Galligan and mm. uh, the character was originally going to be much younger. Mm. and that's why uh, Corey Feldman's even in it because they were going to be younger boys I guess oh 
So, anyway, he keeps in touch with his science teacher, I guess. I don't know. Kind of yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's a weird dynamic. <laughs> Small town, see? Yeah. Not quite Bedford Falls, but it might as well be. My God, um, yeah. Zach Galligan, the film star, Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, uh, Hoyt Axton, Key Luke, Judge Reinhold, and Francis Lee McCain. So, there you go. Uh, critical reception I had in front of me, and I still do for once. Uh, <laughs> Clive James from The Observer over in the UK across the pond says, Spoof horror doesn't horrify, it sickens. Spoof comedy doesn't amuse, it annoys. And spoof comic horror is for the stuffed birds. Wow. He doesn't like it. It's for the birds. <laughs> yeah, see. Uh, Diego Galan uh, from... He's actually from España. He says, uh, unlike the fabrication of the gremlins, the rest of the movie with its terrible first part is clumsier. So he doesn't like it. I guess I should say that this movie is certified fresh. It is 85% on the old tomato meter there. Wow. Which isn't half bad. Critics like it. They flock to it. Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian says, it's a wacky satirical spectacle of chaos. How about that? Richard... Corliss from Time Magazine says, a wildly original roller coaster ride of hilarious mischief. Goddamn gremlins, man. <laughs> they get into shit. <laughs> True story. The film came out June 8th, 1984, which uh, turns out I was today years old when I realized, or when I learned rather from you, Zach, that uh, this came out the same day as Ghostbusters, the original yeah. Ghostbusters, 1984. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. It's absurd. The budget was $11 million. It grossed $153 million here in the United States and Canada. Opening weekend, it made $12 million. And um, gross worldwide, it just has it at $153 million. But either way, for an $11 million picture, that is a smashing success. I wonder if they knew that it was going to be... Because, you know, nowadays you wouldn't really do that. When you have two big titles, you, you move them around a little bit because you don't want to compete. So I'm wondering if they thought that Ghostbusters was going to be big and maybe Gremlins wasn't or the other way around. Yeah, it might be the other way around only because the people tied to uh, Gremlins was a big deal. You know, Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. you know, it's shot on the universe a lot for crying out loud. Yeah. Um it's a family movie. I don't think anybody knew what Ghostbusters was. And I only say that because I was watching a lot of interviews with Dan Aykroyd on like the tonight show and just late night programming. And he comes off as a real weirdo on these interviews. You know, he's, he's a, he's a firm believer in uh, the occult and the supernatural and UFOs. And he's not afraid to talk about it. (laughs) Like in real life. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Oh, wow. And, um, and so when he's pitching this movie, it comes off like he's just a crazy person to, you know, your average Joe. And in fact, Bill Murray would even go on interviews with him so he could just kind of rein it in a little bit. <laughs> You're scaring like, the people there, Dan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ray uh, Exactly. It's, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I really like his hair. He's like a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe they just didn't know what to make of it yet. Obviously, Ghostbusters went on to be a smashing success and, and a cult phenomenon. And everybody absolutely adores and loves it. But um, at that time, you know, going back to June of 1984, it is quite possible that people just weren't sure what to make of it until word of mouth said, yes, this movie's fucking awesome. Plus, it, you know, I had the, the smash hit uh, of Ghostbusters as well. Um, you know, opening weekend, it actually... You know, it did 13 million. So they were neck and neck in the box office. And then eventually, you know, this movie would go on to make like fucking 300 million dollars worldwide. Right. 
Ghostbusters, that is. So um, either way, $1984, if you're making over $100 million, bucks, that's a, that's a pretty good deal. Interestingly enough, when did, do you happen to know when Ghostbusters 2 came out? Probably not Ghostbusters 2. That was 89. I, I meant Gremlins. Do you know when Gremlins 2 came out? Um, Probably shortly after. 80... 1990. Okay, so that, oh, wow. Gremlins Six 2 years. came out in 1990, and, Gre- and Ghostbusters 2 was 1989. Interesting. Mm. They, were, they, they had a, sort of a parallel universe. <laughs> 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 anyway, I digress. Oh, and it is worth noting that Gremlins 2 actually had a $50 million budget. So and a, a lot more. Tanked. They had a Hulk Hogan it, in it, <laughs> and it tanked. It only made forty-one million. Well, they had a they had Hulk Hogan in it. That's why. See, yeah, too much of a good thing. Um, anyway, yeah. no, 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 totally, it's all good. So, um, well, yeah, that was one of the trivia fun trivia facts. Uh, it was released the same day as Ghostbusters, so that's so interesting. And then um, the set of Kingston Falls, like you were saying, is the same one used for Back to the Future. Both movies were filmed on the Universal Studios backlot. And it's funny because when I was watching this with my friend Matt, he's like, it looks like the Back to the Future lot. And we looked, we're like, oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it looks exactly. I think. Save, um, save the clock tower. <laughs> the, uh, the movie where Jim Carrey's God, I think that they use yes, that. Yes. Almighty. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Desperate Housewives uh, did it on there also. Wisteria Lane or whatever. They filmed it mm-hmm. on that section. So. Originally, Stripe and Gizmo were the same character. Uh, this changed when executive producer Steven Spielberg insisted one of the gremlins be a good guy with whom the audience could identify. Director Joe Dante expresses that this decision was the reason why the film is fondly remembered. And I agree with that. And I want we'll talk about that later. So the Santa speech proved to be the one that Phoebe Cates does uh, proved to be the controversial proved to be controversial and studio executives insisted upon its removal because they felt it was too ambiguous as to whether it was supposed to be funny or sad. Director Joe Dante, however, stubbornly refused to take the scene out by saying it represented this movie as a whole, which had a combination of horrific and comedic elements. Executive producer Steven Spielberg did not like the scene, but despite his creative control, he viewed this movie as Dante's project and allowed him to leave it in. That was a pretty edgy scene, bro. It is. It is. I remember thinking like, so is there a gremlin in the chimney? That <laughs> pushed, pushed him down? Uh, was there dad a gremlin? <laughs> yeah. So let me get this straight. If I just want to be Santa, all I got to do is push you off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what grown person thinks you can just slide down a fucking chimney? And how big is your chimney? <laughs> I don't know. Because anytime I looked at anytime I've gotten on the roof, it was always a tiny pipe at the top. <laughs> it was never yeah. like a giant opening that you could just... Go sliding on down like your fucking Sandy Claws, but whatever. Stranger things. Yeah, like your Dick Van Dyke and stuff. Yeah. Chim chimneys. Chim chimneys. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Galli- uh, Galligan recounted in an interview that when the movie was made, there was no CGI. So all of the gremlins were animatronics. <laughs> They're autoerotic. Yeah. <laughs> Each costing between thirty to forty thousand dollars. When everyone left for the day, security would have everyone open their trunks of their cars to make sure they weren't stolen. And that's pretty awesome. That's yeah, something think, that like AP would do. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And because you can't can't have people can't have your boys going around stealing gremlins. But I think when they're all walking on the street, I think that's a stop motion. Like at, oh at yes, once yeah. once he's made a bunch of them at the YMCA, and then they go walking down the street. It has uh, it has sort of a choppy look to it. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised <clears throat> if that was stop motion. That would make sense. But otherwise, yeah, they did a good job with the animatronics. I wonder if Rick Baker did the did the makeup for this. I actually, didn't, I didn't look that up. 
Anyhow, here's a synopsis for anybody who hasn't seen Gremlins, the first film. Struggling inventor Randall Peltzer visits a Chinatown antique store, hoping to find a Christmas present for his son, Billy. Inside, Randall encounters a small, furry creature called a mogwai. The owner, Mr. Wing, refuses to sell Randall the creature, but his grandson secretly overrules him, warning Randall to remember three important rules. One, do not expose the mogwai to light, especially sunlight, which will kill it. Two, do not let it come in contact with water. With water. And three, above all, never feed it after midnight. Randall returns home to Kingston Falls, where he gives the mogwai to Billy as a pet. Billy works in the local bank. Question. Yeah. Do them drinking beer, does that not count as getting wet? <laughs> There's a lot of issues I had with, with, with the rules, and I'm like, what? I mean, they're eating? What time are they eating at this bar? Like, yeah, there's mm-hmm. beer. There's a there's a lot of ambiguity in this film <laughs> that I'm like, well, whatever, it's a movie. So, a lot of flaw in the show. Yeah, quite a flaw. Um, Billy works in the local bank, but fears that his dog, Barney, will be put down by the elderly miser, Mrs. Deagle. Oh, Randall yeah. names the Mogwai Gizmo, explains the three rules he was told, and Billy makes sure to treat him well. When Billy's young friend Pete accidentally spills water over Gizmo, five more Mogwai spawn from his back, a more troublemaking sort led by the aggressive Stripe, named after the tuft of fur on his head. Billy shows one of the Mogwai to his former science teacher, Mr. Hansen, spawning another Mogwai, on whom Hansen experiments. Back at home, Stripe and his fellow Mogwai trick Billy into feeding them after midnight by severing the power cord to his bedside clock. They form cocoons, as does Hansen's Mogwai, which soon hatch. They were cones. And they, for all you wedding singer fans, and they emerge as mischievous reptilian monsters known as gremlins, who then torture Gizmo and attack Billy's mother, Lynn, while Hansen is killed by his gremlin. Well, Hansen is? Oh, yeah. That was pretty dark, too. Lynn and Billy are able to kill off the gremlins, except for Stripe, who escapes to a local YMCA. There, Stripe jumps into a swimming pool, spawning an army of gremlins who wreak havoc in Kingston Falls. Many people are injured or outright killed by the gremlins' rampage, including Mrs. Deagle. As Billy rescues his girlfriend, Kate Berenger, they hide in the now-abandoned bank where Kate reveals to Billy and Gizmo why she hates uh, Christmas. When she was nine years old, her father went missing on Christmas Eve and did not come home on Christmas Day either. Several days later, he was found dead in their chimney while dressed as Santa Claus. Planning to surprise her and her mother, he accidentally slipped and broke his neck while climbing down the chimney. Still suffering from the (laughs) PTSD. (laughs) Jesus. Still suffering from the PTSD because of the event. Kate confesses this is how she discovered the truth about Santa Claus. Billy and Kate discover that the town has fallen silent and the gremlins are watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in the local theater. They set off an explosion, killing all the gremlins except for Stripe, who left uh, to obtain more candy at a Montgomery Ward store across the street. As morning approaches, Billy chases Stripe into the store, where Stripe attempts to use a water fountain to spawn more gremlins. Gizmo opens a skylight, exposing Stripe to sunlight, killing him. Afterwards, Mr. Wing arrives to retrieve Gizmo as he criticizes the Peltzer's carelessness and states that Western society cannot responsibly care for Mogwai yet. However, as he turns to leave, Gizmo, having bonded with Billy, bids him goodbye. A touched Mr. Wing then concedes that Billy alone may be ready one day and promises that until then, Gizmo will be waiting. Gremlins. (laughs) Okay, so when did you first see Gremlins and what did you think? Um, I saw it the summer of 84. I saw it in the theater. Summer of 84. Yeah. Release Brian Adams song. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. 
Um, yeah, so I was a little boy. I was four years old. Saw it uh, in the summer there in Merced with my aunt and uncle and cousins. And uh, I thought it was pretty scary, man, when I was a kid. In fact, <laughs> yeah, when I got... I can um, imagine. <laughs> did I tell you the story when I got Little Gremlins for fucking Christmas? Um, I think so, but yes. uh, relish me. So my mama, she got me uh, these little gremlin figures. They're like these little rubber figurine type guys. And it was three different gremlins and a gizmo. And I open up the package and I see them and I just I throw them across the room. I was like, oh, my God, you're trying to kill me. Are you nuts? And like I freaked out and I started crying. I was like, what is the matter with you? Why would you give me these things? They're trying to kill me. And my mom assured me that they would not come to life and eat me. In fact, I uh, I, I put stripe on this um, lamp that I had, but he was too close to the light bulb and it burned his little button. He kind of melted a little bit around his, around his bottom. You can't be getting him next to bright lights, Justin. That's one I of know. the rules. That was why I fucking kept him on the lights. <laughs> I was like, I ain't gonna have this guy hiding in no dark corner of my room. He's going right on the lamp. He's gonna eat candy by you or yeah. chicken and throw it at you. I was I was not having it. So that, that is when I saw it, and it terrified me as a child. I, was, I dare say I was scarred. Man, that's uh, that's young to see this movie. I, I, I couldn't pinpoint the exact age I was when I saw it, but it definitely was on the Disney Channel a few times, and I, I watched it on that as a kid, um, and I've seen it a handful of other times, but this this most recent viewing the other day, that was the first time that I really recall everything in the film, and uh, it's it's a weird one. For sure. So I can I can only imagine how how four year old Justin was. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, uh, it's like in a Halloween, the, the the newest one, not the Halloween kills. But when she, the little kid that she's babysitting, he's like, nope, nope, I'm not coming in here. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. too scary. He just pieces out. Yeah. That's, that's what I would be. Yeah. There's a fire in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Halloween kills. We got kills. a fire in here. <laughs> we got a fire in here. <laughs> that movie oh, sucks. oh we better watch what we say we don't want yeah, to yeah, in trouble. Yeah. we're not so, above it it's it's better than us oh yeah exactly start. halloween skills yeah <laughs> am i right but um i do want to ask so speaking of that with how scary it is what genre is this movie how how do we how do we classify this film i, I honestly i'd say it's like a family horror movie in some way like family horror <laughs> like texas yeah. chainsaw like, no, no but like a, like a goosebumps kind of thing um oh so like ya horror like yeah, young adult horror that's a, kind that's of what i would say yeah um i guess family horror is a new thing that i just made up but uh, <laughs> <laughs> something that you can watch as a family and enjoy but like yeah i would say young young adults i guess um but i mean because watching it for it scared me but if i were watching it as a teenager i would think it was fun you know um, and like, I don't know if you ever saw like the Mr. Boogity on Disney Channel. It was like that pilgrim that went on to become like a, a poltergeist kind of guy. No, <laughs> he became the boogeyman. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of along the same lines. It's like like a totally like a uh, eerie Indiana sort of goosebumps kind of vibe is what I get from Gremlins. Ooh, I liked eerie Indiana a lot. That's a good comparison because that had some moments where that was like X Files light. X Files for for teenagers. Basically, yeah, yeah. The Diet kids. Coke of X Files. The Diet Coke. <laughs> the Diet Coke of Outer Limits, which was the Diet Coke <laughs> of X Files. <laughs> this is the Coke Zero of of that. Yeah. <laughs> Same scares, but no calories. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's fun. It's it's got comedy in it. You know, you laugh. Um, but it, it is the the eighties was kind of a weird time for movies because they they had some really trippy shit. 
you know, where it's like scary, but kind of borderline where you, if you're a child watching it, it's traumatizing. But if you're an adult, you kind of just think it's neat, I guess. Like Secret of Nim. I don't know if you ever saw that cartoon, but that's that was kind weird. of along those lines. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Return to Oz, I think is like that. Maximum you know? Overdrive. <laughs> yeah. You know, just kind of weird that stuff that, that's just kind of. I don't know. It's it's unsettling, I guess. Return of Oz is really weird. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. Dark Crystal, same kind of thing. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. That movie, you know, is is just so weird. weird. Like J- Jim Henson is <laughs> yeah. great, but it's it's very odd. Right. Um, it's just a little unsettling, I guess. Yeah, totally. And and I just I, I guess I'm not yeah. Toxic Avenger was the one. And that was like a horror film and just so odd. Even Howard the Duck was weird. Like yeah. that movie that movie was I, I don't know. Something about him just threw me off. And yeah, I, I, I feel you on the on the eighties movies being very strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was a lot of cocaine going on there. Cocaine. Yeah. So um But even even like like, you know, we talk about Paul Verhoeven a lot and um, you know, like Robocop is you know, a hardcore, super satirical, violent movie. It's really violent. But when you watch it, you're just like, fuck, this is it's weird. I can watch people get shot all day long in movies, but when I watch RoboCop people get shot, it's just a little bit worse. I don't know. <laughs> and they get they get run over uh, by vans and they're all toxic waste. Oh, yeah. That was That's disgusting. Gross. Yeah. Everything about that, that movie is just so so ugh. All the baby food that he eats. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even when it comes out of the machine, it's gross. Everything I know. about that movie. Is just <laughs> it really <gross>. is. <laughs> Yeah, it's an '80s thing. We wouldn't understand. We wouldn't. No, I was. I was a little tickle in my pappy sack around that time. So, <laughs> lucky you. I was. I was watching it. Being yeah, you scared. were thriving. Yeah. So, um, I do want to get. Uh, you asked me for my 30 second elevator pitch last week of Die Hard Two. Um, I want to know your 30 second elevator pitch for why Gremlins is considered a Christmas film. Oh, sure. Why not? All right, start the clock, man. All right, and go. All right, listen up, ladies and gentlemen. Our film this week is Gremlins. This is absolutely a Christmas movie for several reasons. For starters, the main plot point being that Gizmo, the adorable little mogwai, is a Christmas present. He's not some creature that just wandered into a gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. No, he was purchased as a Christmas present. The town of Kingston Falls has decked the halls with boughs of holly. Every conversation reminds us of Christmas. Heck, some dude even dressed as Santa fell down a chimney and broke his neck. His daughter even burned his rotting corpse in the fucking fireplace. That just screams Christmas for crying out loud. The film plays Christmas music throughout its entirety, including such fun hits as Darling Love's Christmas Baby, Please Come Home, and Do You Hear What I Hear from Bing fucking Crosby. Your Christmas movie this week is Gremlins. Go watch it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I think it's it's awesome, and I think you should start doing that for for everything that we talk about now. Any Anytime we have an elevator pitch or an intro. <laughs> Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. We got it. <laughs> I literally wrote that. Doghouse. Oh, I wrote that great. from 7.30 to 7.37. I was like, oh, my God, let me just turn into the fugitive really fast. And so that's good. Why, that's why I was seven minutes late to join us. Tonight. Oh, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, and you're not going to find argument with me. It. It's so weird, too, because like if you just Google search Gremlins, it doesn't really give you most of the movie posters don't really give you a Christmas vibe. And so most modern day Christmas films, you know, you can it'll have something in it. Christmas Vacation, obviously, in the title. Die Hard doesn't have the same thing. But we had that conversation with Die Hard, too, for the alternative Christmas films. 
but HBO Max even has this as a like not so obvious Christmas movie uh, category. But the the cover is just Gizmo, you know, with a, a gremlin shadow in the background, depending on what one you have. So it would be really fascinating to walk through a blockbuster video, find this VHS in the Christmas sex section and be like, oh, let's watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the movie- there is a poster with with uh, Stripe coming out of a package. There might um, be like after like the a, fact. Yeah, but, maybe. But, you know, like the original Gremlins movie poster. Um, gotcha. It didn't it didn't really have that. I mean, there's one with like a box like where. So like I'm looking at it right now and, and the original is. Gizmo in the little box and it's almost like a Goosebumps cover, like how they or, or the romance novel cover, like it's that kind of artwork. Right. And someone's holding the box and I'm sure it's Billy. Um, it just says cute, clever, mischievous, intelligent and dangerous gremlins. Yeah. Like this looks like a horror film to me. Just looking horror. at this image. I mean, <laughs> so it's it's just fascinating that we we have to look at this and or it's fascinating that we 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 don't know this as a Christmas film immediately off the bat, but anybody who's seen it definitely would. Right. So they even have the carolers. They do. I think about it. There's Carol. There's Christmas caroling. Oh, and then that fucking lady, Mrs. Deagle. You know, she actually, mm-hmm. she's so upset that there's carolers in front of her house. That she gets, she fills up like that picture of water. She's gonna throw it at him. Mm-hmm. What a mean lady. And then you know, there's a part where it shows a, a sign for Deagle Real Estate. And I looked. I've never noticed this before. But the hours of operation are 10:30 to 11:15. <laughs> 45 <through> minutes. <laughs> I took a picture and I meant to send it to you, but I I, I forgot. But I have it here on my phone. I was well, sad. fell through the seats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see it. I am, I am running on fumes, man. So I, I totally forgot good. to send that to you. No, it made me laugh. I was like, 15 minutes? You can't sell no house in no 15 minutes. So, yeah. So this movie, it's pretty freaky for the most part. Like like you were saying, you were scared of it. Even I was like, this is gross. I don't like this. It could easily be seen as a horror film like we've just been talking about. And like they said in the trivia, they do an interesting job of mixing the clever cuteness with this grotesquely villainous, uh, you know, creature piece. And did this work for you? How they were how they were mixing? Because remember, that almost didn't go in it. Like Spielberg wanted all or Dante wanted all gremlins and Spielberg is like, we got to have some cuteness in it. Did that work for you or would you rather have this movie like way lighter or, or way darker? I don't know, because I feel like I like the mix of the two. I, I like it being kind of a family movie, whereas if it were just darker, then it might be a little bit different. I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Critters. Have you ever seen Critters? Yeah, that movie's weird. Yeah, and that one's kind of more evil gremlin. You know, they eat people and it shows it kind of thing, you know? It's kind of gross. And so it's cool. I like the movie Critters. I think it's fun in its own way, and... I'm excited at, that I know the song Power of the Night because I've seen the movie a thousand times. <laughs> and uh, But uh, I do think that I like the mix of the two. And I know that, you know, Spielberg in the 80s Spielberg is pretty awesome. You know, uh, I mean, although he's been making movies for a billion, trillion decades and everything, and, and it's great to see all of his movies. But I do think that that it was good of of him to to reel this movie in a little bit. Right. It, it it definitely made it lighthearted and a little bit easier to watch. I mean, Gizmo's adorable and essentially I think spawned Howie Mandel with, is the voice of, of Gizmo. He is. Cuba. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but that's how, you know, Furby spawned the, the idea of this cute little alien creature. 
and to see that grotesque side is is so interesting. But I, yeah, I, I I think I'm okay with with the combination that they did. I might have wanted them to go a little bit lighter, just because some of it I was like, Jesus Christ, this gets really dark. Like people are dying and stuff, and I just thought they were gonna fuck with people. I didn't think they were gonna actually kill. It's uh, I didn't <laughs> yeah. I didn't know their motivation. I was like, wow, okay, yeah. I guess this is what we're doing. And then mom you know she's just a super badass which like i want to go with that like so when we actually see the gremlins in uh lynn's kitchen she becomes this crazy awesome warrior woman mom and just obliterates them in the quickest and most gruesome ways like microwaves one puts one in in a blender and she takes out three of them like it's nothing right Mm -hmm. and it was it was pretty gross to watch but uh lynn does prove she's a badass it escalated from a, hey, mom, I have a mogwai upstairs to Lynn just straight murdering these gremlins without even questioning anything. So what I mean is she just goes in the kitchen, sees them and is like, boom, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, kill you. Not asking questions, not figuring out what's going on. Did that seem realistic to you? Because many times in films, we see people having to examine what's going on before they act. And she kind of did the, the dude, I don't want to die sort of thing. So I'm just going to kill this thing that I have no idea <laughs> what it is. Was that realistic to you? I I think so in a way because they they looked I mean if you're judging a book by its cover if she wants to profile <laughs> Whoa. these guys look Whoa. scary as fuck um, but they looked pretty gnarly and then you know when she blends the one and then the other one starts throwing dishes at her and stuff and and they got the knives out um, I think that it escalated pretty quickly but they were already on edge because of the cocoon stage. Yeah, you know, true. Uh, so I, I think that she was prepared for something bad to happen. You know, the dog, there was weird stuff already happening around the house. Uh, she was alone, uh, which I think that when you are alone and noises are just a little bit louder in your house, you're kind of on high alert as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's creaking going on in your house, like what the, what was that? You know, who's living upstairs? This is weird shit. I don't like it. And so I do think and, and plus she's a mother, you know, she's got to protect her her cubs, as it were. And so I do think that there was some reality there to where this was her home. She wasn't going to let anybody fuck with her in it. Right. So Justin Kavanagh comes down the stairs because he's already walked up eight times and he is like, I want to go get his hurting. <laughs> I want to go get a snack. And all of a sudden he sees three unknown monsters, little gremlins on his cabinet. Are you grabbing the first item you can and, and bashing these gremlins? Or are you going to be like, hey, what's the deal? Ronnie Dingy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd like to establish a dialogue with these monsters. <laughs> yeah. Parlay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of weird. If I saw a crazy creature in my house, I'd probably just leave. I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I would be like, yeah, I ain't got time for this shit. <laughs> uh, although I will say that I, I have caught things, you know, like snakes in classrooms and there was a lizard in my house. I just walked over and picked them up and let them go outside. I'm, I'm kind of weird when it comes to that stuff. Like it doesn't phase me per se, but I've never seen a gremlin. So that's, that's a different story. But uh, I have grown up around wildlife to where I am not phased by it. But having said that, if I saw a gremlin, I'd probably freak out and just be like, Nope, no, thank you. You know, that little, that, um, that uh, gif of that little baby that's excited that comes in the room and then sees something. Yeah. And goes, oh, around, oh. Like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> that would be me if I saw a gremlin. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think I think you're right. I think it was a little more realistic. It just seems like it escalated very quickly, but I forgot about the cocoons. I thought she just came in the kitchen and was like, oh, what's for supper? Oh, damn. But I forgot about the cocoons because she calls Billy um, or 
I think she calls Billy. I can't remember. But either way, yeah, she's just like, what the hell is going on in my house sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, back to the the darker tone, I forgot to end the villainous moments Mm -hmm. that you were talking about. One is just Mrs. Deagle talking about murdering his dog. Barney, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm catch him. And, you know, at least I'll just take him to the to the pound and he'll be, you know, put to sleep and it, he won't feel anything. But if I catch him, you know, I'm a fucking ring his neck and put him in the, the dryer and let the let the spin cycle, you know, cook him alive kind of thing. It was like, really dark. Can't have you going around talking about killing animals. <laughs> Seriously. And then that yeah. one guy's like, yeah, that'll do it. Like, Dude, <laughs> Can be killing no dogs and no family movies. Yeah. Never. See, because I love animals. And okay, so you remember a couple podcasts ago, we were talking about how that Hollywood trick where someone's nice to an animal, you automatically like them. Yeah. This was the reverse where she's talking mm. about torturing this animal. So that clearly defines her as, you know, the worst human in the world. And it's okay if this character gets killed some way. So were, were you okay then with her death? Or were you kind of like, eh, eh. oh, yeah, I don't, I don't fuck her. Like in that, with that, <laughs> the seat that goes up the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. No, to hell with Mrs. Deagle. She's the worst. Oh, man. I don't like her at all. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just called a happy accident there. Yeah. So I this is what I wanted to get into the nuts and bolts of this film, uh, which might be kind of an interesting conversation. But I have a theory that the Gremlins film is a meta commentary on why certain people should not get pets as gifts or be pet owners in general. Uh, it's just a lot of responsibility. If you've never had a pet, it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, they're cute. They're fun. It's great. And we saw it during the pandemic where people just wanted to adopt. And I'm so glad that, you know, they gave these dogs second homes, but it was really sad to hear about people who would take them back to the shelters because they couldn't take care of them. So the Mogwai had three very easy rules to follow. And like dumbass Billy couldn't even follow one. He's like, oh, you guys are hungry. So I'm just going to feed you. I don't not even even though he's like, oh, I got 30 minutes to spare. It doesn't matter. I'm like, dude, you ate. You ate. That's fine. We're not going to feed you anymore. So even even the bright light at first, he didn't even go. Yeah. I didn't even go over the rules at first. Yeah. He waited for something to happen and then do the rules. It's just like so irresponsible. And it drove me crazy. I, the whole time yeah. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what so the fuck? There's, yeah. You know, furthermore, there's tons of people who probably shouldn't have kids either because they kind of lack that maturity and uh, to uphold the responsibility. That's a different conversation. Well, not necessarily. But what are your thoughts on this in, in, in general? Have you ever had to give up a pet or a child because you weren't ready for the responsibility? <laughs> no, <laughs> take this no. baby back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saved my receipt. <laughs> I will take store credit, please. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I have never had that. Um, I do know that, you know, Getting a getting a puppy in particular can be a, a chore and be exhausting because you know they're gonna cry at night they're gonna they're gonna pee in the house or worse uh, so you have to train them. Uh, me personally, I always rescue uh, adult dogs, you know, ones that have already sort of experienced. I've never owned a, a puppy per se. Um, I don't know if own is the right word. I guess Bongo. My so my very first dog was my it was my sister's dog technically. She was a puppy. Um, but I didn't really uh, get attached to her until she was much older. But um, me personally, I know that it's a big responsibility. Like I want goats like so goddamn bad. I, w- I want to have just like fucking 20 goats in pajamas <laughs> running around my house. And I realize that that's not going to happen, but I really want it to. Um, but me being a s- pretty responsible human, I will probably just go to like a rescue and help out and, and, and and play with the goats and then call it a day as opposed to wrangling in 20 goats, tucking them in at night and then, you know, 
calling it a day. So <laughs> um, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but you're right. It is a, a pretty big responsibility. And um, I I don't know if I could handle uh, a mogwai in my house. Um, I, I, I realize the rules are pretty simple. You know, no, no light, especially sunlight, because it'll kill them. No feeding them after midnight, whatever the hell that means. I don't know when that ends. And then um, obviously not getting them wet. Accidents happen. And I don't, I don't know how uh, long it would be before something like that happened. That would, that would make me sad. Yeah, it just drives me crazy when, when people bite off more than they, than they can chew in, in situations like that. Because pets are living creatures that need certain things to continue to survive. And you are taking that oath when you take a pet. And I wish that you, would, you were forced to be stuck with it because... You can't just you can't just throw in the towel. Now I understand certain things can happen, but I was really bummed out. Like I had an ex girlfriend and I bought her a dog and we shared it together. And then when we broke up, you know, she kept the dog, uh, and we were still in contact, like we were friends, uh, sort of. And she let me watch the dog every once in a while. But then we like completely stopped talking. And I found out later on, a few years later, that she gave up the dog shortly after that. And I just was so upset because I told her too. I was like, if you don't want Sophie, I'll take her. I. I will give her a good home and I will take care of her. And she wasn't responsible and it drove me bananas. So I feel like I should have shown her the movie Gremlins and then just stared at her at the very end and been like, huh? <laughs> you right. see? Do you see? Do you see what I see? Yeah. And yeah. Then made her sit in one of those chairs that goes around. The- <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do not oh. condone violence upon anybody. But but I, I think that Spielberg and Dante, they kind of were working on some, even Columbus writing this too. I'm wondering if that's what he was kind of thinking, if that was his motivation for it secretly. You know, maybe did you read I mean, any like when you read about your trivia? Did you did it put anything in context like this? I don't remember anything like that. No, I mean, I, I might have it could have been there, but I don't remember reading it. Yeah, I just thought that was so glaringly obvious to me. And I'm wondering if, if I was the only one that thought about that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we uh, made a breakthrough. Did you ever see the movie Parenthood by chance? Ooh. Steve Martin, Rick Moranis. Yes, a long time ago. Well, there's this part where Helen and Todd are having a conversation. Todd is played by um, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And um, Helen says, it sounds like a a boy Gary's age needs a man around the house. And Gary is actually Joaquin Phoenix. And Todd says, well, it depends on the man. I had a man around. He used to wake me up every morning by flicking lit cigarettes at my head. He'd say, hey, asshole, get up and make me breakfast. You know, Mrs. Buckman, you need a license to buy a dog or drive a car. Hell, you need a license to catch a fish but they'll let any butt reaming asshole be a father. Yeah. It's heavy stuff, man. That is. He's right. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's, it's very interesting to think about that. It is. (laughs) As someone Uh, who wants children and, you know, yeah, I mean like I'm, I, I want children, but I'm also okay without, obviously it takes me and my partner uh, to make that decision. I, I'm somebody who is not going to have kids until I'm ready and and knowing that. And I just I unfortunately know some people who will just pop kids out like they're Pez and, <laughs> you know, popping kids out. Isn't that how babies are born like Pez? So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My next kid I'm ordering off of Amazon. There you go. Yeah. Two day shipping. Save that. Yeah. Might be delayed a little bit, but yeah. it's um. I mean, but both you and Alex are responsible, and you're ready, and and it's nice that you know you get to spend the time at home, and it's good that Alex gets time off. Obviously, you're both in a good situation financially and and mentally to be to have kids, and unfortunately, there are so many people who just 
it happens. And some people use it to save marriages and uh, it's, it can get ugly. I have friends that are like that, that were born as a, as a desperation kid is what they like to call themselves. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a little rough. I mean, yeah, that was really rough. The thing is like, you know, if you wait to be ready in quotes to have kids, you might never have them at some point. It's just got to happen. Uh, I, I would hate for someone to, or a, a, someone in a relationship to have a kid just to try and save the relationship. I don't think that's a good idea because if anything, it's just going to put more pressure on your relationship. And I think oddly enough, the pandemic, I think had a lot to do with us coping, being around each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a good mental preparation because when, when the pandemic started and I was working from home, I was so stir crazy. I couldn't take it. I was just constantly going outside <laughs> over and over and over again. It's probably driving Alex crazy. I just, I couldn't sit still. And eventually, you know, I still had my routine. I get up at like five or six in the morning, take my shower, get dressed like I was going to work, but then just sit down at my desk, you know, at home. But I had a routine and eventually I finally broke that routine. I was in my pajamas till like, you know, 1030 or 11 in the morning, sometimes even like one or two. And that's weird for me. I am always like the the wife in a like 1950s sitcom where I'm wearing my dress and pearls and I am ready to rock and roll <laughs> all fucking day. And so it was really weird for me to, to, to break that habit. And I do think that sort of the social experiment of us being with each other in the same like premises for, for 24 hours a day uh, helped sort of ease the tension for when we were together when we had our little baby and, you know, we never left each other's side. And I can imagine that, you know, rewind two years ago, I might have gone crazy town banana pants with the birth of him. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and not everyone is cut out to be a parent. And I hope that I am. And I can just imagine that, you know, having this responsibility definitely has changed things. My life is forever changed. Our lives are forever changed, but there is a piece of that when you get a, a, an animal that you have to take care of, you know, it, it, Every moment of its life depends on you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's like the whole cliche thing of taking care of an egg, you know, uh, John McEgg or whatever. John, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. John McEgg. Yeah. Try hard. <laughs> so many kids break that egg and it only was five minutes. And it's like, <laughs> kids are eating it in the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't get another egg. This, one, this one's busted. Yeah. It doesn't work that way when you have a puppy or a kitten mm-hmm. or a child, for crying out loud, or a goat. And, um, you know, it's, it's tricky business and I am going to worry every second of every day for the rest of my life now for this, for this person, this Mm -hmm. tiny little person. And it's, it's scary. Yeah. Hope I don't let him down. You won't just do the claw with him. Like, Hey, get Get him baseball stuff. (laughs) Baseball stuff. Can you be, can you be Nomo? (laughs) Yeah. I'm Jose Canseco. (laughs) You got a kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good pick. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But I agree. Um it's I think it takes a lot of responsibility. It's it's for for in terms of like we don't know if we're ready. You're right. I think more for me in in the sense of ready that I'm talking about is more like financially ready, uh hopefully emotionally ready. I, obviously, I've never had a kid so I don't know how how I can handle that, but I I more just think I want to bring it into a good home with a good life. Uh, for what I can try to do. And I like your idea of, you know, you, you, you benefited off of the pandemic cause it was like a test basically to see how you guys would, would work with it. And you kind of loosened up a little bit. And I was kind of the same way as you, where I would 
still get up uh, and and get showered and all that kind of stuff. But then what I started doing is be a little more lax. I'm wearing my gym shorts and I have like a hoodie on for calls, for video calls. And I mean, my whole company did that too. We all got a little more lax. And people realize, you know, the world wasn't on fire when when they did that. You didn't need to wear a three-piece suit to work <laughs> when you're working from your living room. And um, and it worked out for, for everyone. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is Proved interesting how, how Billy... In the first like forty minutes of the movie, he's like broken all the rules. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just yeah. he's he's kind of a dum dum at times, and he even brings his dog to work. And I'm like, why can't Barney just stay home? Why? I, like, I love dogs, but and I would love any dog that I've had, but I wouldn't bring him to work unless he like eats all the food or something like that. But I mean, again, that reflects on Billy for not training him correctly. So I I don't know. It was just it was weird for him to bring him to work. Maybe he is a service animal. I don't know about all that. <laughs> that'd be, I mean, that'd be awesome, but I don't think, I don't think he was. I mean, so, maybe. Yeah. You never know. It's true. So Kate's story of why she dislikes Christmas and how her father died, it's pretty hardcore, like we were talking about. It really <laughs> seems... the rent. It was way hardcore. <laughs> it really seems out of left field, and it kind of just blindsides you. You're like, holy shit. Wow, that was really, really morose. What were your thoughts when you first saw the movie? Uh, let's let's say you're later in life, not your four year old brain. But when you yeah. first saw the movie and realized the the Santa thing, uh, does it do anything to you on the subsequent viewings? Yeah. So I actually remember the scene when I mean, you know, it sounds silly to remember when I was four years old, but I, I remember thinking I didn't quite get the story when she said he broke his neck. I was like, wait, when did this happen? And <laughs> I was like, did we see that? I don't remember this guy breaking his neck. Like, the, this, her version of the story wasn't tr- translating well to four-year-old Justin. But I remember being weird out about it. Like, I don't get it. And then when I was a teenager and saw the movie again, I remember thinking, man, that is, I get it. That's, that's a good reason not to like Christmas, you know? Uh, but as I got older and was an adult... I'm with the execs on this one. I'm like, why is the story in the movie? <laughs> it just, it's, it's so far removed from the rest of it. Like most people don't like Christmas because they worked in retail and they hate fucking dealing with people at Christmas time, you know, or they had lousy Christmases when they were kids or something like that. I, this story is a legitimate reason not to like Christmas, I suppose. But from a storytelling standpoint, it does seem like it doesn't fit. Yeah, it's it's just really weird. I mean, I get having the dark tone, but you're already there in the film yeah, with, with the gremlins. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't need to add that. It just, I, I, I mean, maybe give depth to her character, but you could have been like, hey, I don't like Christmas because I never got what I ever wanted or something yeah. like that. That's a, that's a better, that's a good reason. You don't have to get really dark. Like, holy shit, my dad was dead and we, he was in our chimney for like a week. And, and I lit him on fire and then yeah. I smelled the smell. I thought it was a, a cat or a rat. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, it's weird, dude. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think it needs to be there, but what do I know? I I think that the, I don't think it takes anything away from the movie. I just don't think it adds anything to the movie. Yeah, I agree. I think it was there for the sake of just being there. And the, the director and the writer are like, we got to have this. Dante was like, I'm Joe Dante. Like yeah. James Cameron style. Boom, boom. Yeah. yeah, I'm Jack Barry. I'm Jack Barry. But speaking of Phoebe Cates, she was stunning. She was great. She was that teen heartthrob uh, that all the 80s boys were fantasizing. And when they watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High, they were like, God damn, that's a woman. 
Mm-hmm. Who are some of your crushes ready from these decades, the 80s, the 90s, the zeros, or as I call them, the aughts, the 10s, and even now? Who are, who are some of your crushes? Oh, my God. Um, so 80s was like Whitney Houston, oh, I think. Um, I would say Whitney Houston and the Baroness from G.I. Joe. Um, cartoon <laughs> Baroness. <laughs> I know, it's weird, but whatever. Oh, and, boy. Uh, <laughs> Um, the nineties was Daisy Fuentes and Selma Ooh, Hayek. Good choices. Yes. You went with a Latin theme there. I see what you're doing. <laughs> yes. Well, my best friend was, was Hispanic. So that mm-hmm. makes sense. I suppose. Um, the two thousands, I don't know. I don't really have anything for you there in the 2000s. 2000s was such a weird time in history. Like I don't really like anything 2000s other than movies. Yeah. The music and, and stuff and fashion is just kind of, it was an unremarkable decade. Yeah, maybe like a Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. I could see know. that. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I feel like Britney Spears Jason and then more. more. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jason Statham and everything that he does. I, I am, I am in love with Jason Statham. So we'll say Statham for the two thousands. Uh, the 2010s, I don't know. I know in, in, so like for me, I, so I didn't like anybody in the eighties. I was three years old. Basically I was, I was born in 87. So I only had three years in the eighties, but the nineties, uh, I was a big, uh, Tyra Banks fan. I oh, absolutely sure. loved Tyra Banks and just was oh, enamored with her. She was just gorgeous in the nineties. I'm sorry, in the in the 2000s, I would probably say uh, like a Reese Witherspoon, Rachel Lee Cook, uh, those kind of, you know, because Reese Witherspoon was in Cruel Intentions and Rachel Lee Cook was in um, She's All That. And so I just was just blown away with her. I thought she was so beautiful. Jessica Biel, Seventh Heaven, I thought she was gorgeous, too. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Uh, I would say uh, Tiffany Amber Thiessen from like Saved Ooh, by the Bell. Yeah, I liked her, too. That was she, 90s. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think in in like the the tens it was it was like a uh, I've always liked Blake Lively I thought she was really really hot but yeah, um, Megan Fox probably was my like my big one because uh, you know Transformers came out and I just was like oh my god I love her so much mm-hmm. she's so hot so all that kind know. of stuff I like more guys like Chris Hemsworth fucking <laughs> Paul Rudd <laughs> now that I think about it <laughs> <laughs> who's your I mean, I know who's your guy weird, crush but... no no, no yeah. I got you. I got you. Michael B. Sense. Jordan. I don't know. Ooh, Michael B. Jordan's a good looking man. So, I don't know who my main crush would be right now. Um, I really like uh, Janelle Monet, and um, oh, I'm too I, old. I have a Emma, few, Emma Stone. I guess I do. She love might have been Emma one Stone. in the 2010s. I do love Emma Stone quite a bit. Yeah, it's weird now because a lot of Hollywood likes to hire young actresses, right? And or young actors, and so like I can't be attracted to you know, um, like uh Zendaya or whatever, she's too young for me, I can't do that, right? Or even mm-hmm. like um, Emma, Emma Watson, right? I know Hermione Granger, she was like 11, yeah. So when I was watching Harry Potter 1, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this is <yeah>. weird, <laughs> it's just not in the cards, I can't do it, it's just it's it's not appropriate, so like. Yeah, I can acknowledge she's a beautiful woman. I just can't be attracted to her because I knew her as a child. So it's weird. Yeah. So Well, I think so. My crushes now have to be like Gal Gadot 
She's just absolutely oh, yeah, she's gorgeous. Beautiful. Scarlett yeah. Johansson has always kind of been one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, she's Zoe Kravitz is beautiful. Uh, Ana de Armas. She's just unbelievable and love her so much. I've always I've always had a crush on Charlize, uh, Charlize Theron and Beyonce. Um, and then Gwen Stefani, too. I've I've liked her. So she was my 90s gal. I thought she was just absolutely incredible. But. I think those are those are the ones that I can think of at least um, through the years. But Phoebe Cates, uh, she had that draw, man. She was uh, she was that Fast Times sex symbol, and she was. I liked her in this movie and in Gremlins too. And I like how she shut down Judge Reinhold really quick. Yeah, like, I've never been to your house once, creep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, never you been know to your what? old like, house in the nineties was Shirley Manson. You know, she was oh, yeah. singing the garbage. It only had a, I'm only happy when it rains. <laughs> exactly. I thought she yeah. was related to Marilyn Manson when I was younger. <laughs> and interestingly enough, I like like cracked out Helen Bonham Carter in like Fight Club. Fight Club. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me, give me homeless chic, you know, cracked out Helen Bonham Carter. Yeah. She's like, I haven't been fucked that good since grade school. I was that's, like, whoa. That's dirty. I was like, Jesus Christ. What kind yeah. of movie is this? Marla Singer. Oh, yeah. Marla Hooch. <laughs> what, what a hitter. hitter. <laughs> it had to be you. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. And then finally, did you have a favorite gremlin from this movie or from Gremlins 2? We'll even expand it out that far. I do. So I like the flasher gremlin. He's the best. <laughs> they have a Funko Pop of the, fla- the flasher too. <laughs> I, I have... I have a I have a NECA version of him. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, he's flashing right now. He's over on my little my little shelf over there. <laughs> Got his hat and his glasses. And oh, it's so good. They have the three D uh, glasses one for uh, Stripe. That one's pretty good too. And then they oh, have yeah, like, yeah. his Mo Funko Pop. But yeah, the flasher the flasher one is the best. Whoever yeah. thought of that was pure pure gold. Yeah, <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> And there's like nothing there. I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with like a naked gremlin walking around, but you add the coat to it and the hat and the mystery. Then it's like, oh, what you got going on over there? <laughs> He's got something under his coat. I just don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I think in the second one, I liked the when it dressed up as a woman. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah one yeah. of them. That was funny. There was a fat gremlin, too, that I really liked. And he was real dopey. Or maybe he mm-hmm. wasn't fat. He was the one with the, the wonky eyes. He was kind of cross-eyed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one is really funny. Um, wasn't it like a spider gremlin too? Yeah, that and, was really and, scary. Yeah. That was like the main the main enemy. Was, I've only seen the new batch one time. It's not very good. Yeah. Wasn't but like I said, it has Hulk Hogan in it. Sure. But um, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's all I really have on Gremlins. It's harder to talk about this film because I didn't really have anything to say about it. Um, I, I'm curious. So, so what are your final thoughts and letter grade on this movie? Uh, so, this is a movie that I don't need to watch too often. You know, we talk about these holiday movies and and ones that are almost become a ritual where you know you watch the same movies every uh, holiday season. And this is one that I, you know, I don't need to watch it again until. You know, my son is ready to watch it. You know, it's I, I can't tell you the last time I saw it. It was probably 15, 20 years ago. So it's been it's been a spell um, and I'm in no rush to watch it again. It doesn't mean I don't like it. It's just there isn't a whole lot there. You know, it's just a bunch of, of wacky antics at some point. And uh, it's a fun refresher every once in a while. But this isn't uh, this isn't a staple in my holiday film watching. Um 
menu, as it were. And so uh, I, I think it's fun, and I'm glad I watched it. But I, I think it's kind of like a C plus B minus for me. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't fault anyone for loving this movie or for having like a gizmo tattoo for crying out loud. You do you, <laughs> but uh, better save your receipt of, for that one. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, um, I'm I'm good on the Gremlins. I I can appreciate that it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. I cried when I got Gremlins toys. It had an impact on me, but uh, you know, it, it, I I don't get scared too easy uh these days but it was fun watching it again and that stripes a real fucker man like he, he is, is just so mean like he's like a schemer when when he like kind of kneels down and they all start kind of chit-chatting about what they're gonna do and what the plan is you know i like how he's a ringleader i like how how he's the one in charge and he's smarter than the other ones i, th- I think that they did the right thing by by having uh, gizmo not become stripe i i like the idea of of there being uh you know, a good guy, as it were. And when he's cruising around in his little Barbie car. Yeah. Um, you know, Emulating the, the movie. Gable, yeah, yeah. The Clark yeah. Gable movie. Yeah. Um, which I can never remember what it's called. It's like how to please a dame or something like that. I, I forget what it is. It's a weird title. Whoa. I know. <laughs> Incognito <laughs> mo- mode search that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a weird title. I forget what it's called. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I do think there's a lot of fun Easter eggs. And I, I'm a sucker for 80s movies, and I like to see just like the product placement and what cereal boxes look like in the 80s, or or the logos. You know, when you see like a like a a Coke can or a Pepsi can or Doritos bag of chips, like it's always weird to see the old designs of stuff. So I, I always kind of appreciate those little things when I'm watching these kind of movies. But at the end of the day, I'd say it's C plus B minus, and uh, I'm glad I watched it, but I'm in no rush to watch it again. Sounds like it was an important film in your formative years, just in the sense of it scared the shit out of you and it will always be there for you. But Mm -hmm. I am also with you. This is a C plus for me. I wasn't in love with this movie, uh, even from when I was a kid. I just never really found the liking of it. It's I mean, it's a movie. Um, It's it's just I think the most fascinating thing behind it is that it is a Christmas film because I never would have guessed it was a Christmas film. Um, before, you know, like 10 years ago, I never would have guessed because I it had been such a long time since I seen it. So I was like, what? There's the whole holiday thing. But it makes sense. Obviously, things were coming back to me. So I'll never argue with someone and say this isn't a Christmas movie or I'll never be upset with somebody if they want to say that they absolutely loved it. Uh, it's just I, I, I needed them to go in a different direction with it. And I if it was if it was strictly horror, I think I would have appreciated it more. But it worked for what it did, but I, but yeah, it's a C plus for me. I, I just don't really, I'm not going to rush out and watch this one again either. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's worth noting the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is a 78, which is a C plus. So oh, we're, wow. we're right in line with everybody else. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> out of the 250,000 plus ratings, we're right on par. Cool. Okay. Well, good. So yeah, it's, uh, it's on HBO max. That's how I watched it. I, is that how you watched it too? That is cool. I, that was the last place I looked, though. I, I didn't cheat and just Google, how do I watch fucking Gremlins? I, I went everywhere. I went to Netflix. I went to Prime. I went to, to Disney Plus, And I went to Hulu. And then eventually I landed on HBO and it was right there. Oh, wow. Like, Damn it. <laughs> oh, I, I searched it because I like to go to justwatch.com. So, yeah. I should have done site. You should check it out. (laughs) Go use it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's all I have on Gremlins. If you have anything else, uh, we can talk about it. But if not, uh, I'll go ahead and take us home. Are there any New Year's movies? 
That's kind of what I was thinking. And the, one of the best ones I can think of would be Trading Places because they have that New Year's scene oh, towards yeah. the end. And it's kind of important. Um, there's that one by like Penny Marshall or Frank Marshall called New Year's Eve. Um, there is uh, the Forrest Gump has a New Year's Eve scene, but that's definitely not a New Year's movie. Um, I don't like any of the ones that you're saying. I know. <laughs> I mean, I like Forrest Gump. I know Cable Guy is oh, a New Poseidon. Year's. Oh, Poseidon. That was a New Year's Cable one. Cable Guy is a New Year's Eve movie. Is it? <laughs> no. Oh, I was, I was like, finding I an excuse that. to watch it. Oh, I love that movie. Poseidon is a New Year's movie. They're the, celebrating New Year. The Gene uh, Hackman one would be the one that I would. We, we did Snowpiercer. That was technically a New Year's film, too. Oh, yeah. That movie's nuts. The Godfather Part 2. Has a New Year's scene. Oh, Four Rooms. Have you seen that? We talked about it, but I saw it when I was a little kid. The only thing I remember was when the kid was in a little suit and he's drinking whiskey or something like that. And he's throwing throwing darts. darts. (laughs) Is there actually a needle? Needles. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You ain't got no needles here, kid. I didn't like that. But no, (laughs) yeah, I haven't haven't seen Four Rooms in a long time. That scene is called the, The Misbehaviors. Oh, man, that movie's funny. Ghostbusters 2 is technically a New Year's movie, too. Yeah, it's Christmas sleepless, time. sleepless in Seattle. Oh yeah, they're singing when they're when they're fighting. He is Vigo. Uh, they're singing like old Anxiety. Mia, man, what was the one you just said? Four rooms. Four rooms. Yeah, see if Tim Roth. It's like each room was directed, written, and directed by a different person. That's, that's right. It's like the Twilight yeah. Zone of rooms. Uh, yeah. It is not streaming. It no, is four dollars. Kind of yeah, it's that weird era of movies where it's hard to stream. Ninety-five. You know, uh, I meant to tell you this, but there was like a, the HBO Max has like a '90s section, you know, and I have watched almost every movie <laughs> <laughs> from that <laughs> section. I was like, man, and it was all unintentional. Like I, I, I explored right. them all, like an A to Z kind of thing. I was like, oh, I'm gonna watch that. Oh, I'm gonna watch that. I'm gonna watch that. And then I, I see this curated list of '90s films, and they all have the little bar at the bottom of it showing that <laughs> I watched them. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute now. I don't, wait I don't a know about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, it was funny. Yeah, made me so, laugh. Sleepless in Seattle is on Prime Video. I don't do that movie. Well, apparently it's uh apparently a new year's movie so i don't know um okay well yeah let's uh i'll take us home then thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast please remember to follow us on twitter at db crazy pod at edgy armo and at zach dale 60 where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episodes just please make sure that they are streaming under the 90s category on HBO for Justin. <laughs> we could do Matrix Resurrections that comes out like in five minutes and it'll be streaming on HBO. We could. That's going to be a... It's going to be hard, though. We don't have to. Just saying. I could... Okay. We'll discuss this out there. Uh, please make sure... Make sure you... Anything I can do to derail you. <laughs> Make sure you subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you like us. We appreciate all of your feedback, positive or negative. It's it's great. Thank you so much. Additionally, we are also available on every made other major podcast app, including Spotify, which has a ranking system. So if you like us, go ahead and leave us a rating there, huh? Yeah, thanks. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. Just please don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.